0: Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. We're continuing this series about our core values, these things that are essential to who we are as a church body. So years ago, a group of you, some of you in this room right now, gathered together to try to articulate what it is that we value as a people. What are these things that are non-negotiable? Will always be about the kind of work that we are doing. Things and the way we do things may change, but these values will be consistent. We've talked about two of them so far. Unbiased hospitality and responsive service. And today, you probably guessed, we talk about the third authentic community. Authentic community. Community is a buzzword these days. Everybody likes to talk about community. Especially with people in my generation and younger, everybody says, oh, I just need, want, desire community. I'm trying to find community. In the book, The Lonely American, a study showed that one in four Americans would say they have not had a meaningful conversation with another person in the last six months. As a society, as a people, we need community, connection. While we may be the most connected people in the history of the world, able to Reach out to people across the globe, able to be woken up at five in the morning by your aunt who sent you a picture of her cat. Why at five in the morning are you doing that? I might know from experience. And yet, despite this connection, we're as lonely as we've ever been. We long for community, and people in our world are looking for community, they may not even know what it looks like. People will ask often, what's the point of church these days? Why a church? What's the point? And at the same time, they long for community. We, as the people of the Baptist Church of Westchester, have something to offer the world. A sense of belonging. And connection. Our vision team, as they were articulating these values, they said we will demonstrate this authentic community by our real caring for our church community that will create a sense of belonging. That we will hurt with those who are hurting. We will rejoice with those who are rejoicing. We will be willing to be vulnerable with one another. Several years ago, I was sitting at my desk across from a recent college graduate. The place where I was serving before, we had built this college ministry that had grown and flourished. It was an exciting time. And now we were having our first class of graduates. And one of the graduates was across from me. he said, you know, I've started working, but I'm still living in the community. I'm engaged. And I loved being a part of what we were doing as college students. And now this church has nothing for me. I sat across from him and thought about that. Related to that. I've been there. How do we find community? As adults, it's particularly hard. There's no one to assign us seats in a classroom and force us to get to know each other. How do we be cared for? How How are we known? The Apostle Peter was writing to churches that were scattered across Asia Minor, and they were all dealing with the sense of insecurity. Who are we? How do we connect to one another? How do we keep moving forward? And in first Peter chapter two, we 'll turn there today, and we get this vision of community. so I want to read from First Peter chapter two, starting. Into verse 4, and I hope that we discover how our authentic community can help people who are desperate to belong. Peter says this to these Christians come to him, Jesus, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. They're saying, who are we? What do we do? How do we move forward? How do we stay connected? Peter says, come to Jesus, the living stone, and you, like living stones, be built into a spiritual house. Has anybody called you a stone lately? (laughs) Stones in our world are usually thought of as nuisances, right? If you drive around here, you'll see some old stone walls. Maybe put there to kind of mark boundary lines or keep animals pinned in. Maybe put there because as people were farming and clearing land, they thought, what are we going to do with all these stones? (laughs) And so they stacked them to build walls. But the ancient understanding of the stone is different. To this image of stone, it shows up again and again in the Scriptures as the sense of security and stability. The people of God have been waiting for God to establish a new kingdom, a new future built on a cornerstone. People who've been without a spiritual home, scattered across an empire, feeling like outsiders and overwhelmed, feeling alone. Looking for a stone that God would build upon to unite them. In fact, Peter quotes the Old Testament next in verse 6. Quotes from Isaiah saying, See, I am laying in Zion, in Israel, a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame." Peter takes this Isaiah passage and points out that this cornerstone, this stability that has been promised is Jesus Christ. And though the people killed Him and rejected Him, He is still the cornerstone, the foundation, Conquering death. Creating something new. Our foundation, most important stone, as Pennsylvanians, are keystone. And this is the radical point of this text. Peter is saying, yes, God is doing something, and you are to be stones that are built up to be the spiritual house the thing that God is creating, you are a piece of. That God is not confined to just a temple or church walls, but is constructed all through the world through His church by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you are one of the stones. God and God's good news goes everywhere through God's people. And so our authentic community can help people who are desperate to belong because we are united, consistent around a common core, a cornerstone, a stable point, Christ Jesus. That's what the church is all about. I realize that's pretty obvious, but it doesn't hurt for us to be reminded that Jesus is the foundation of what we do and why we are united. Because here's the thing. Everything else will disappoint. (laughs) We will disappoint each other. This is not news. See, a church is built on Jesus. His love. His story. Not programs or buildings or leaders or committees, though we Baptists love those things. They're good things things God uses, but we are only authentic if we are securely resting on Christ. I think about the Apostle Peter talking about this image that you are a stone. Peter himself went by the nickname The Rock. Jesus gave him that nickname. It's not surprising that he would pick up that metaphor and give it to us. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Peter to have Jesus call him the rock? (laughs) To say, I am going to do something with you and through you, you're a rock that will build something. What a name, the rock. You know, like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, the celebrity, right? It's a great name for a wrestler. Same name given to Peter. To make you think, oh, God will do something here. And maybe as Peter writes this to these people scattered and insecure, he remembers what it felt like when Jesus gave him this name. How empowering it was and gives it to them. You are stones. God sees you as a rock. Formidable something to be built around the cornerstone. This is the vision of the church. And the church has problems, yes. But there is beautiful potential. Peter is aware of the problems. He's been some of the problems himself. But God has created a vision for something, an authentic community. What can it be? Peter's going to get more specific in this text. Uh, What does it look like to be this authentic community? Uh, If you'll read 1 Peter 2, we'll start in verse 9 now. But you, you all are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. In order so that you may proclaim the excellence of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Now remember, as we dig into this description, this is not a description just for individuals, but for a community. These are to characterize the people of God as they are united together. You're a chosen people. It means we are Jesus' people set apart. It means we have discovered the truth that we are all wanted by God. We've discovered that all are wanted by God, desired by God, beloved. We are a people who are aware that the world is not the way that it should be and long to make it right. We are His people, made up from every imaginable background, and skin color, and culture, and country of origin. This is a new identity, chosen people. It doesn't ignore your other elements of identity. It doesn't ignore your whiteness or your blackness or your Asian or Hispanic roots, but it celebrates who you are and values you as you are, as you are invited into a new group of people that crosses all boundaries. Peter is writing to this Church largely of a Jewish background that will be the foundation of many churches and many communities. And they are crossing boundaries of culture. And it doesn't mean they all change their stories or where they've been or the way their culture is expressed, but they now have a way of being together. That's big enough to welcome and celebrate all cultures expressing the image of God together in unique and unifying ways. You're a chosen people, and you are a royal priesthood. What a title. A royal priesthood. Royal doesn't mean much to us today unless we're watching some kind of United Kingdom festivity. Kings and queens are not the way to go. We have decided as Americans a long time ago with a harbor and some tea, So what does this language mean to us? But see, to be royal in this time was to understand that you could not be royal by your own ability. You would be royal because you inherited it. Royalty is not earned or won. It is given. As these people scattered with all these different backgrounds would have heard this message, royalty would have never been something they could have imagined for themselves. You're royal part of the family of God, given inheritance to a kingdom and a promise. It's good news. And you're a priest. To be a priest at this time was an honor beyond what we might imagine for our priests or pastors today. A Jewish priest would have had the responsibility and the privilege to access the deepest parts of the temple, direct access to God on behalf of others. They were tasked with being in connection with God for others. And now all of that authority has been given to God's people. You have direct access to the God of the universe. A royal priest would have been among the highest statuses one could have imagined to be a child of God. Access to God. You're a royal priesthood. Something that we believe as Baptists, this Baptist distinctive we hold on to, is that we believe all of us are priests. All of us can go directly to our God. All of us called to minister to all. That we serve together as equals under God in our church, regardless of age or length of membership or income or education. You're a royal priest. Peter says you are a holy nation. Again, a set aside people to do the work of God's mission, that is worship and prayer and study and service and feeding of people, of helping, of visiting the sick and the imprisoned, of offering our time, our skills, our money. He's talking to these people who are already part of a nation. A geographical, political empire. But he's not calling them to go find political power. He's saying, no, you've already been given the power of the Spirit. Some of us today, as we look at the world around us, we grasp for power as well to create some kind of power where we can impose our values on everyone else. But here we find you are already a nation, a nation of welcome and justice, not a concerned with achieving power or influence because you've already been given the Spirit. Us, the church, are to be like Christ, to suffer along with the hurting, to be a nation of belonging. See, our authentic community can help people desperate to belong because we are built on this common trajectory of belonging. There is this greeting in the Zulu language. The word, and I'll probably get it wrong, is sawubona, but it literally means, I see you. So rather than saying, hi, how are you? Fine. Fine. People with this language would greet each other in this way, I see you. And so here's what I want us to do. As we, this community, built on this trajectory of belonging, I want you to look towards someone around you, find a neighbor, turn behind you, and I want you to say to that person, I see you. Ready? This is the participatory part. Go for it. good job. The sense of this greeting, it it is to, to proclaim and value the dignity of the person that you see. All of them. How did it feel to say, I see you? How did it feel for someone to say it to you? You just created a little bit of authentic community. Way to go. See, often in our world, we we make groups based on how people behave, how they believe. And then if they behave correctly and believe correctly, we'll say, okay, now you belong. You've earned it. But authentic community, Christian community is upside down. It says, first, you belong. I see you. I see you. And in that belonging, perhaps you will be inspired to believe in the Christ that sees you too. I hope so. And perhaps by the power of the Spirit, the way you live will be transformed, yes. But first, you belong. This is authentic community. God designed us to work together in this community. Royal priesthood, holy nation, set apart people. To be together in what is the church. To invest together in a local community. This is what God has called us to be. Not just to show up, but to participate in creating authentic community. Why? Why? Well, Peter tells us. So that in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of Him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. And then Peter quotes Hosea and says this in verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once. Maybe it was 50 years ago, maybe it was last week. You were not a people. You did not have a sense that you belonged a community. But by God's power you are God's people. Once you felt like mercy was just a dream, Maybe you received God's mercy for the first time as a child. Maybe after difficult experiences. Maybe you have not yet, but God's people are swimming in mercy. And so an authentic community proclaims the mighty acts of the One who called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. For that's who we are. People of light, of mercy, a chosen people, people who belong. We are to proclaim the acts of God with our words, but in how we care and how we see one another. Grieve with one another, hope with one another. Our authentic community helps people who are desperate to belong because we have a common commitment to one another. We've become a people. And in our world today, it is difficult to have a community that is committed to one another. It's much easier to say, mm, I'm not feeling it, bye. <laughs> Let me find another one until that one disappoints me and I find another. Another. But the vision of the Christian community is a community that is committed to one another always. And I'm not saying that you should stay in a community that is unhealthy or harmful. Of course not. But I am saying that you should commit to a community. Commit to a people. A people that will encourage you and stretch you and love you and that you can love back. The writer... Of Hebrews it says it this way in the familiar passage Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. The writer says, Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day or the return of Christ, the future when all will be made right as you see that approaching. This is what authentic community does. I love the language here. Provoke one another to love and good deeds. Encourage one another. You could translate that word provoke in a variety of ways. Maybe stir up, motivate, spur one another on. But my favorite way to translate that original word here is the word irritate. Irritate one another to love and good deeds. The writer of Hebrews understood the church. (laughs) There is potential for irritation. (laughs) Have you ever been irritated by someone who pushes you to be who you can be? All of these mixed up different kinds of people trying to live in community together, there will be irritation, things that are uncomfortable, things that are challenging but it's worth it. Stir up, motivate, challenge, grieve together, hope together, Esther even. Fourth century church leader Basil of Caesarea was right. When talking about the importance of authentic community, he said, when we live our lives in isolation, Like these one in four who haven't had a meaningful conversation in six months, when we live our lives in isolation, what we have is unavailable. And what we lack is unprocurable. You have been given gifts and a story and value a priest, a holy nation, we are all of these things and we cannot share these things if we're alone. In the places where we lack, how will anyone step into those things if we are not with them? In the Old Testament, we see this image show up again and again when the people of God, something would happen, some incredible thing that God would do, and so they would go and gather rocks and they would build a little pillar of stone to be a marker of what God has done. Sometimes that word that we find in the original languages for that pillar of stone is just taken straight into our Bibles or our hymns. That word Ebenezer. If you've ever sang a song, Here I raise my Ebenezer. That's what that means. A pillar of stone a memorial to commemorate what God has done. Here in this New Testament, we get this vision of God building God's church and saying each one of us together, little stones built on the rock of Christ, get to commemorate what God has done. So I want to take you back to my office that day, sitting across from that young man saying, I don't think this church has anything for me. And as we talked and shared and reflected together, we came to a conclusion, an idea, an inspiration. That perhaps he's right. (laughs) The church didn't have anything for him. So maybe that meant he needed to create it. And here is this surprising news of authentic community. It's not something we consume. It's not something we seek and get just like we make groceries at the store. No. It's something we make. Little stones. Allowing ourselves to be built together. Participants in an authentic community community that is honest, that can be vulnerable because trust exists, because we are committed to one another. Authentic community is something we create, not something we consume. And so I want to give you two challenges this week. The first is this, I want you to think about how you've been impacted by real authentic community. I just want you to write it down sometime this week. Post it on the internet, that's fine. Email it to somebody, write a letter and mail it to somebody who's impacted you. Reflect. Raise your own Ebenezer, a memorial of how community has impacted you. In that act, we declare the wondrous works of God in our life, how we've been called out of darkness into marvelous light. And my second challenge for you is this. And I want to challenge us to do this within our church community, though it is a good thing to do outside of it as well. But for this week, I want us to to look around in our church community. I want you to pick somebody that you don't know that well. And you get extra credit if they're of a different age or background than you. Pick somebody, and I want you to ask them their story question I like to ask is, how did you get to here? (laughs) See how they answer it. Perhaps together we'll continue to build a more and more authentic community that knows each other and cares for each other and prays for each other and for a world that is desperate to belong. We could be pride a place where all are welcome and all are loved, that all belong. Maybe you haven't received this mercy or felt loved or chosen by God before. Maybe you have questions about this Jesus thing. Maybe you want to know how God's story ties into your story. How you could move from darkness to marvelous light. I'd love to talk to you about that. I'll be here after service and pray with you whatever you need. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this authentic community that is committed to creating a spirit of belonging together. May this desire for authentic community not just be something we say, but something we build together. May we build it with grace. May we love in a way that even sometimes irritates as we pursue one another. As we care for one another. As we pray for one another. As we seek God with one another. Thank you for being our foundation, our cornerstone. May you build each of us into what you are doing. Thank you, God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.